Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dawson and Whiskey Podcast. I'm JT Wistersill. I'm Gavin Dawson. And we are excited and to be back with today, all of you. Yeah, excited to be go. back talking go NBA ahead. finals with everyone. It's been finally time. We reached this point in the season. It's a very exciting time, as always. But before we do that, we're going to hit on the conference finals a little bit. And where else to start but Gavin's son no. finally Jesus. breaking through and making. Gavin, what were just your exciting inducing series I've ever had to deal with in my life? Most anxiety-inducing series I've ever had to deal with in my life. I hate Patrick Beverly, as does most of the league. Um, <laughs> although I think I hate Patrick Beverly a little bit more now. Um, granted, I just uh, there's a lot of people I hate on the Clippers. Got to sit there, got a chance to sit there and watch the Clippers for seven ga- or for six games because obviously I'm not going to sit there and pay attention to the Clippers every game of the NBA season. Um, Pat Bev isn't a surprise to see that I, I just like him. I didn't like him before, but I really don't like him now. Um, most insincere apology ever, by the way, if, if you ask me <laughs> after that push on Chris Paul. Uh, his publicist told him to tweet that. I don't think he would have done that on his own accord. Um, yeah, if that push that. wasn't meant for him, I don't know who else it would have been meant for. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, Paul George is a bona fide superstar. I he just he hit shots that he was supposed to, but granted he also missed shots that he was supposed to hit. Uh, the Valley Oop was fantastic. We recorded after that game. We recorded uh, immediately after that game uh, for our last episodes. So that was great. Um, other than that, I just I'm I'm gonna go into the finals with with really low expectations. Not, but I'm not gonna let get. I'm not going to let myself get let down. So just in case anything happens. So obviously if Giannis comes back and they, you know, just wipe the floor with us, then that's one thing. I'm just happy to be here at this point. Um, happy to have Cam Johnson back. It was scary not having them there and him there in game six. Darn food poisoning, according to his father, um, which that came out today. Um, I'm, I'm more so happy for Chris Paul. If you're not, I think if I wasn't a Suns fan and I wasn't a part of a franchise that just deliberately hates Chris Paul for all the things that he's done to them. But I think Chris Paul deserves to be there. I know Giannis is a good guy, but he's 25. He's got a lot of chances to to go back. Chris Paul really deserves this ring. Uh, And I've already said, I'm not saying this just because I'm a Suns fan, but being in the NBA for 17 seasons and being as good as he has been, was it 16 or 17? Did I get that wrong? It's it's a long time. <laughs> yeah, he's had a incredible. Either way, either way, super long time. He's finally there, and hopefully, you know, no question he'll play up to to standard. No question, book will play up to standard. Now that he's had some rests with uh, his nose broken in three different places. Um. Other than that, I mean, there's really not much else to take away from that. I think that. The Bucks are going to try and copy the Clippers' game plan and play super physical. Obviously, they can do that with guys like Drew Holiday and and uh, PJ Tucker. Although I think they'll be a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if um, Jay Crowder and PJ Tucker get into it at least two or three times during the season or during the series. Yeah. So honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens. So the Jay Crowder, PJ Tucker thing, I mean, eh, maybe I don't see it. 
what I almost guarantee you will happen is Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis. That's just like, feels like a definite to me. That's, you know, is that's like, fair. Like Tucker gets into it a little bit with guys, but like Portis is a really a hothead. He's hotter than Crowder and Crowder's pretty hot as well. So I feel like it's one moving screen. It's one bump, one guy trying to defend their teammate too much. And they're going to be at each other's throats real quick. Bobby Portis looks like he for. like knows how. Yeah, he does look like he knows how to fight. I I definitely agree with you there. Yeah, he's a tough player for sure. Portis is, and he's it'll be interesting to see his impact he has he has just in general before that. But yeah, it was a phenomenal win by the Suns in the series. It's great to get him into this place, get him to this point. It's been a fun season, a fun ride for them along the way. Been great to watch Devin Booker grow up. I can't believe how good DeAndre Ayton is uh, has been and. DeAndre has been a welcome surprise. DeAndre yeah, has been. definitely been a welcome surprise. Okay, hopefully, I don't know if I cut out. I probably did um, there for a brief moment. Hopefully, that sorts itself out as we carry on. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> no, it's all good, but I do want to take this opportunity while we're talking about the Suns and everything and Chris Paul to run by you that. Gavin, I want to check in with you how you're feeling about that Chris Paul trade a couple months ago. You gave up. Kelly so, Oubre. Let me let me just list the trade. Let me just list the trade out. Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and what will now be the 29th or 30th pick in the NBA draft. How are you feeling about that? Because at the time of the trade, I know you weren't the most excited about losing your boy Oubre. So this, this is just one of those things that I, I'm going to come back and I, and I think I've said it before. When we draft, and this is just old CP3 trade, okay? So when we drafted Devin Booker, we were guard heavy, and I didn't even want him. Now he's our savior. I love the guy. Couldn't, I mean, I'm not going to shy away from the fact that I I said I didn't want him. Okay, so wait, really quick. In 2016 or, no, 2015, you drafted Booker. Who? Which guards were you in on at the time? I'm just curious. Um, it wasn't that I was in on them. We just had a bunch of them that were decent. So yeah. it was like, you're like seemed, one of, to one me, it seemed, one of them will work. <laughs> Yeah. It seemed it seemed redundant to at the t- you're just trying to find at that point. Now we're ten years deep, but we've we're obviously in the finals now. So you can, you kind of give and take with with that. We were guard heavy at the time, so with the Chris Paul trade, I'll admit it, I didn't want it, um, because I thought that his season in uh, Oklahoma City was not a fluke, but his last high point, if you will, because given his age, I didn't think um, Jamal Crawford, Lou Will, LeBron James, Gene to keep going at such a high level at past the age of 35. Um, so I didn't, I really didn't think that he was going to be as good as what we had built because we had gone eight, no in the bubble. And what I saw in the bubble was super promising with the guys that we had out there on the floor. And I thought that we would still make the playoffs and be a top four seed without him. Uh, thought the same way, but I thought that we would still have a chance of being a top four seed granted a, probably the max being a three seed. 
with that being with that being the ceiling, my expectation would have been a four or five seed, just you know, middle 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 of the pack. Um, we made that trade. Albeit, I did love Kelly Oubre and what he brought to the locker room, but seeing the ball movement and the different style of play that he that we have now with Chris Paul and with Chris Paul off the floor with um, campaign running the uh, the second unit, it's it's fantastic to see. So, I mean, obviously I'm not going to shy away from saying I didn't want him at first, but he quickly, I, you know, as you know, as well as a lot of other people who've talked to me personally know that I, I admitted it fairly quickly and wasn't going to shy away from that probably within like the first 10 games. No, it's always tough. Most of the, most of the issues that I had came with Aiton. Yeah. At that point in those first 10 games. I mean, it's always tough too. Like you had a very, very, very deep connection with Kelly Oubre. So it was very difficult for, for you to okay. move on for him. <laughs> okay. The beautiful man. Okay. He's a, good, he's a good basketball player, but he doesn't pass out when he drives. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the one stat. Yeah. And, he'll, and it will be interesting to see what happens with him in free agency in general, but yeah, no, Chris Paul's phenomenal. He is one of the best leaders the sport has ever seen. He's won everywhere he's gone. He's an ultimate competitor. Most guys would have punted the OKC season away that he had last season, as in like not even tried for it. He went for it, helped that team find success. And I feel like Chris Paul really changed the culture and the trajectory of that team by really helping Shea develop, just like he has with DeAndre Ayton. And DeAndre Ayton has even said that Chris Paul is the best thing that's ever happened to him. So it just shows you that impact and effect that he does have on winning. Gavin, you and I agreed the Suns would have been in the playoffs no matter what had they not added Chris Mm -hmm. Paul. But I think the difference is I don't think you're in the finals without Chris Paul. Would you agree with that? Oh, no, most definitely. In those closeout games. Yeah, um, yeah closeout games, he was phenomenal. With the Nuggets, he had 37. 41. And then, obviously, in game six against the Clippers, he had 40. Um, you know, we started the year – I think we started the year 8-8. Eight and eight. You did? Okay. We started the year 500 at the first 16 games. And we – and I thought the biggest driving factor for those – for the reason of us being 500 at that point was DeAndre Ayton getting into foul trouble really early in games. I think that the work with Chris Paul has really helped him uh, limit that. Obviously he's not teaching him how to not foul, but he's getting on to him for that and making him work on it. So, you know, no, you're right. He has, he has been doing that. I think, too, one of the things – I've been so impressed with DeAndre Ayton as well, as we kind of touched on a little bit. I mean, you're talking about a guy who – he just averaged 17 points per game in the conference finals. That was something I never thought was even possible, that this early in his career, what he's been able to do. But of 17, 13 rebounds, him and Zubak both did a really good job on the offensive glass. You talked about the Valley Oop to open the series. It just felt like a big moment for him. He was, one, he was the youngest player, I want to say. I'm pretty sure Terrence Mann's older than him. I believe he was the youngest player because Cam Johnson's older than him. Obviously, Jalen Smith never saw real time in the series. So I want to say he's the youngest guy in the series who saw significant minutes, and he did not look his age at all. He looked like a 10-year vet, honestly, in these games, and he was huge. And the scary thing is he averaged 17.8 points per game, and there are still moments and times I think he's too passive, especially on the low block against other centers. When he has a mismatch, he's willing to attack guys. But I'd love to see him go at a little bit more a guy like Zubach more than he does. I think he's easily going to get up to 20 points per game in some of these playoff games going forward in his career. And same thing for the rest of these guys. I was really impressed by like bridges looks like a veteran Johnson. It looks so good. 
Bridges actually looked to me really poor in the uh, in the Clippers series. We, I think you and I talked um, briefly about the plus minus of Tory Craig when we decided to play Abdel Nader for some reason over <laughs> Tory Craig. Um, Yeah, that was an interesting decision for sure. I've Tor- always been a big Tory Craig guy. Craig at that point should have been seeing just because just because Tory Craig was just playing super well. Um, Bridges just couldn't hit his shots. I mean, he did a lot he did a few things that were really good in that last series. But he was a lot more instrumental against the Nuggets. It'll be interesting to see if he turns it around against um against the Bucks in the finals, which hopefully he does. There are some shots that he takes which for me, um, it's just some of his shot selection really irks me. Just because he doesn't have it in his arsenal yet. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, no, I, I think it definitely does. Sometimes he rushes his shot. You can really tell he's more of a spot-up shooter. Yeah. Just catch and shoot at this point in time. I think uh, he can get that catch and shoot in transition three at some point in his career, maybe in, maybe over this next offseason season or the following off season or in the middle of next year. Um, but if I want somebody taking that shot, it's obviously Cam Johnson, but, but bridges for me right now, at least he left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. But he's Factor also, he's, he's always been against, pretty good defensively, um, pretty good defensively still, right? Defensively. He wasn't defensively. He wasn't his best. Mm-hmm. I'll say that against the Clippers. Yeah. Well, he was still good be- and still one of the better defenders on the floor, but he just wasn't, himself yeah him he just didn't look himself mm-hmm. i think he's a guy too he, he, he's gonna draw the chris middleton assignment to me he's gonna that's gonna be on him to step up and take him i think he's a really good matchup for middleton size and quickness wise and middleton's a guy who we'll talk about him a little bit earlier but when he gets going i mean he had multiple third quarters where he had over 16 points in the quarter so you gotta he's a guy you gotta keep in check and prevent from going off you think that i think we will but do you think that we'll take um, a page out of the Clippers book and really start running a lot of that, that switch, not so much the, the blitzing double teams that they did towards the end of the shot clock, but the, just the automatic switches. Yeah. For Middleton, he's going to come off of a lot of screens. Mm-hmm. He's going to utilize his screens to get open without Giannis. It gives him obviously more offensive freedom, but do you think it's more so of a, a, an automatic switch. So instead of Aiden staying on, I guess Lopez would probably be the one out there or, or um, Crowder on Portis, it would be an automatic switch. So Aiden slides over for Middleton and whoever's on, and then Bridges is on uh, Lopez. Do you think it's an automatic switch at that point? I would switch it personally. And then if, if they start to pick it apart and Middleton's just cooking, you do that. And then maybe if Middleton goes like is having one of those quarters where he's already got 10 plus in the quarter, then I'm doing the extreme double team thing. Then it's just like, okay, I'll even take a Drew Holiday three right here. It's just that's where I start to get. Well, at that point, if he like catches that. fire, then he's got no choice. I think obviously you've got to do that if if he starts catching fire. There's there's no yeah. two ways about it. And then I think it's you got to live and die by uh, the Bucks role players beating you. Uh, one of them not being Brooke Lopez. If Brooke Lopez gets hot, obviously he can be the be the one to beat you. As a, some some may say. Yeah, people forget that man's the all-time league scorer for the Nets way too quickly. He just he's just a guy who was able to evolve with the NBA 
and become a floor spacer rather than be a Jalil Okafor who's been left in the dust as a dinosaur. So I give a ton of credit to Brooke Lopez, also an ultimate teammate. It's very rare you find a teammate who says a bad thing about Brooke Lopez. Those guys seem to love him. And we'll, we'll talk about the Bucks more in a second. One last thing I want to talk about on the Suns is, Gavin, how vindicated do you feel about how good Devin Booker's been this postseason? Because he's been so I feel really good. incredibly vindicated. <sighs> I don't, you know, it's just okay. I'm 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 I'm, yeah, I'm straight up with you. I I think the last part of that question cut out because I thought you were going to ask how I feel vindicated as a fan. No, I just I wanted to know how you feel. I just you feel as a Devin Booker stan, someone who's been with him through everything. You've okay. always beat at the table. Okay. I didn't hear He's okay, one of the yeah, best I didn't hear anything about Devin NBA. Booker. It, it cut out for me yeah. on my end. No, you're good. Just how much do you how do you feel? Just like I'm gonna apologize. I'm gonna apologize ahead. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna apologize. My Wi Fi is just um anyway. He's getting more respect because it's on a national stage and more people are getting to see. Uh, I think I told you before this season started that there, I think it was 15 to 16 games they had on national television this this year was uh, too low. Um, I think yeah. they've more than justified that uh, with the amount of games and I think the viewership as well. Obviously, it's hard to play with a, with a broken nose, so we'll give them pass <laughs> for a couple of those games. Yeah, he had some um, rough shooting stretches. He did. But against the Nuggets and against the Lakers, he played really well and really showed not just the rest of the NBA, because I think a lot of the players, most of the players, if not everybody who is a player in the NBA, already knew who Devin Booker was, but showed the net, one, the national media, and two, the casual fan, just how good he really is. And it's, it's vindicating for me for people to see that and for them to have to understand just how good he really is. Cause he gets disrespected. I think in some of the comparisons that he draws, um, I'm not going to say Donovan Mitchell cause it's a fair comparison because I have a feeling that's where you thought I was going to go with it. But some people put him much lower in um, NBA rankings than I think he deserves because there are a lot of things that he does really well that don't show up on the stat sheet in the Valley. Oop, who's the one who sets the, uh, who sets the screen for DeAndre Ayton to get open? That's the truth. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the little things, and he's also he's a leader as well. Mm-hmm. At just a young age of twenty four, he's he's a he's a a valued leader for that team. And it's yeah. not just because he's their best player, but it's because uh, Monty said in an interview that Devin Booker had the cheat code growing up because of his father Melvin, because his father Melvin was not I'm not gonna say similar play style but had the ability to just get hot fast and was just I think he played in the NBA for a little bit I don't know if he played in the NBA at all but I know he played overseas but he knew how tell Devin to approach the moment be coachable and just be an absolute sponge of basketball knowledge so I think at 24, his basketball IQ goes uh, under the radar as well. So I don't know. It's it's really vindicating just to see the one the one that the national the media one the media excuse me can't speak English and two the casual fan uh, seeing that a lot of people are actually getting a chance to see uh, Devin Booker for who he really is. Yeah. 
I, yeah, it's been awesome to watch. I think going into the playoffs, uh, he was hit or miss on everyone on people's top 20s. I think now he's a lock for the top 20. And I think depending on how he plays in the, in the finals, I think he could be a lock for the 15 top 12 even. The top 11 is almost impossible to crack right now with the talent we have in the NBA. I, I have him 13 to 15, but I'm, I'm a little biased. Yeah. yeah, no, and I'm saying, but I think even now, like I think if he, I mean, if he balls out in the comp, if he balls out in the finals and wins finals MVP, I think he's, I think it'll be a lock for the top 15. You can't do that on that stage and not be considered one of those dudes. That's why going into this year, I was so high on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler didn't have that year. So now he's tumbled back a little bit. But I think the same thing will apply for Devin Booker. And it's a great time to be a Suns fan right now. Not a great time to be a Clippers fan right Fantastic. now. Admirable season for sure. Like I said, Paul George was really good. I think, I mean, this is what we saw when he was going against those Miami LeBron heat teams and maybe look, maybe if he's never injured, maybe he's a player who could have carried them without Kawhi and be better than he already was. Even, I mean, in the series, he only shot 29% from three. He had some really good games, but he also had some disappointing games. So this is, this has been with Paul George as your best player. This has been, team ceilings going back to those pacer days he did play really well he gets weight he gets too much hate just because i think of the past failures like that which some of that is look some of it's unjust and some of it is deserved those westbrook teams with him on them were extremely disappointing they lost to that donovan mitchell jazz team which was a shocking one in mitchell's first year and then they get sent home by portland and i believe six games or whatever it ended up being which is another example of paul george has disappointed before as a best player but Credit to these Clippers. I think Tyron Lue earned a lot of respect. The players continually praised him glowingly about his in-game adjustments. He's always been a master at poking guys the right way or pushing or getting the best out of them. I think he did that with Paul George, and especially Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, this series especially, was on something, man. He was incredible for a lot of these games. I mean, he averaged 20 points. Uh, I got tired of Reggie Jackson really fast. Yeah, knockdown shooter from three. He attacked the basket well, too. Had some really tough finishes. That Going back to that Utah series as well. Terrence Mann wasn't as good this series, but obviously he's tough. DeMarcus Cousins really bullied Dario Saric. Now, of course, on the other end, he was also giving – he was scoring about 15 a game and then giving up 30 at the same time, making it very difficult to play him. But this Clippers team was a lot of fun to watch because they've been accused before of being entitled. But the truth is the, be- the best player on their team, he is a little bit entitled because he's already won two titles, what he did in Toronto, living in L.A., the way he lives his lifestyle. I think that's what everyone said to, oh, this Clippers team walks around like they haven't won a ring. Well, you took him out of the equation, and you got a bunch of guys who are fighting for their spots in the league, as we talked about. There's not a single, first, there's not a single guy on this Clippers team who was one of the Clippers' own first-round picks. There's a lot of guys on these cheap deals, a lot of guys fighting and making a name for themselves. And I enjoyed watching this Clippers team still. But the better team definitely won the Suns. But what did you think about this Clippers team and the performance they put up without Kawhi? Um, they're scary. I think it. I think obviously you said it. It falls on Paul George to be more aggressive in some of those games. He, he came out docile. I mean, at halftime when you're the star player coming out with less than ten shots, I think is ludicrous, especially in a, in a closeout game less. Yep. Um, but you know it goes hand in hand. You got to have a lot of role players step up which they did, but at the same time, they also didn't. Um, this Clip- I think this Clippers team is going to look a lot different next year. Walking around feeling entitled, um, I think wasn't necessary, necessarily um, warranted, but walking out of those first two series they did with Kawhi, 
I think, really um, bougie, if you will. <laughs> because they were playing probably some of the best basketball in the playoffs. And had they had Kawhi, I think it would have been a lot – the series would have been a lot different. I'm still taking Suns in six or seven. But I think it would have been a lot more difficult to deal with Kawhi out there, obviously. For sure. It, with it being Kawhi, it's – that's not a very – very broad or um i don't know the clippers i think are gonna find success through a similar setup i don't think it's gonna be the same group of guys i don't know whose contracts are up do you think both are do you think they wind up paying reggie no i think they have too much money tied they have so much money tied up to other guys and everything i don't i don't think they can afford reggie someone's gonna outbid them very easily for his talents so without Reggie, they're gonna need unless they can somebody find a like way to Kawhi get to stay. Patrick, Maybe Patrick they wind up paying Reggie because they lose Kawhi. I would be stunned I think if you Kawhi's find... not there. We can talk about that right now. I just I, he worked so hard to get his way to LA. I just don't see why he'd leave for Dallas, Miami, or New York even when I've heard a few LA. things about him being as upset with LA as he was with San Antonio. So it'll be interesting to see. That'd be surprising me just because it seems like they let him do whatever he wants. He misses games when he needs his rest. He lives in his – he's held up like team planes and team buses before. So him joining the Heat culture and having to buy in with all that accountability and stuff like that, that seems like more of a turn to San Antonio to me. So I'd be surprised if he goes there. I don't know if he'd mesh with Luca. I would be shocked if he left. But you never know with Kawhi. He could just be a guy who's never happy in the situation. It'll be very interesting to see. Um but if they do, if they on obviously if they wind up losing Kawhi, I think they do pay Reggie. Um, as far as everybody else goes, they may just pull. Um, who's the? I, I forgot what his name is. Who's the the GM for? I don't know who their exact GM is, but I know Jerry the, West. The is, Jerry West. Jerry West is a very prominent role with the Clippers front office apparently. With the Thunder. Who is the, who's the, the Thunder GM? Is Sam Presti. Sam Presti. He's the okay. One that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, so Sam, I think they may pull a Sam Presti and just start trying to find dump off deals and maybe rebuild through free agency that way. Um, you can move off of maybe keep Beverly because he's just it's Beverly, and I think if he went anywhere else, he'd be like shunned in the locker room until they got used to being around him. Um, we take the but right I think you can move like, off of Zubak. I think that maybe like a Sacramento. I think maybe like a Sacramento, or like a who, who's in a who's in a maybe a Detroit somewhere. I'm trying to think somewhere that has I guess pieces or maybe somebody that can move for money that's worth something. That's also in a rebuilding state. I don't know. It, it's kind of a discredit to Zubak as good as he played yeah, in he the Western good. Conference Finals, but. No, I think that's a. I totally it wouldn't surprise that. me if that's something that they do in the offseason. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to monitor the moves and see how they play it out. Here's what I first. This is just a gut feeling. What I think is going to happen. They're going to run it back. They'll lose Reggie, Kawhi, and PG. They disappoint in the playoffs again next year because I think a lot of Clippers fans would love to act like, "Oh, if Kawhi's healthy, we for sure win this thing." Because look at how good Paul George was playing. But Paul George wasn't playing that good when Kawhi was next to him because he had the ball in his hands more. Paul also moved a little bit better than. 
when they had when they didn't have Kawhi to me, just a little bit better. I think they still got the ball stoppers, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson at times. Paul George made some really stupid passes at times, a little too flashy. But I feel like they're going to run it back with George and Leonard. They're going to disappoint in the playoffs, and they will trade Paul George then because I think they just want to work with Kawhi because he's the best player still on that team. So it would be interesting to see what happens with the Clippers, though. But now they're going to sit on their couch and be watching the finals like everyone else. The other team the Suns are going to be playing in the finals is, is those Milwaukee Bucks who had a really good job taking care of business against a tough Hawks team that shocked everyone so far in the postseason. And they're a team that navigated. I don't think anybody had them. No. No one had the Hawks. I don't think anybody had them going that far, let alone making the playoffs. Oh, for sure. I had them. Unless you're Quavo. A lot of people had them in the playoffs, I know, just because of on paper the talented roster they assembled going into the season. I was a huge fan of I think I had them as a six or seven seed. Then it's off to a disaster. Lloyd Pierce is making a mess of things, but they they hired Nate McMillan on the staff. So they're like, hey, let's just fire Lloyd. We'll make Nate the head coach. And it works perfectly. He gets the best out of both guys. They go on this incredible run. I think everyone's ceiling once we reach the playoff time and see how good this team was playing. I thought they'd beat the Knicks. I never thought they'd beat the 76ers. I gave them a game because I respected them. And then somehow they beat that. And they even took the Bucks to six. And they won games when Giannis was healthy as well. That first game, Trey dropped 48 points in the huge win there too. So credit to this young Hawks team for stepping out. And we'll talk about them a little more in a second. But I do want to start with the Bucks. Uh, the biggest thing for me is I was so impressed with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. In the final two games where Giannis didn't play, the Bucs were 2-0. and In that first game, you got the first game without Giannis, Brooke Lopez was phenomenal. 33 points, a season high for him. But in both those games, Holiday and Middleton never scored over 25, never scored under 25 in those last two games. Both of them were phenomenal. They hit big-time shots when they needed to. I thought Holiday did a really good job starting games off. He set the tempo for his team. He would attack the basket. Get it. He would always seem to get like that eight points in the first quarter. And then throughout the game, he'd get to 25 closed for them really well. And then Middleton was a guy who wouldn't start great, but that second and third quarter and that one fourth quarter where he had 20 points. I mean, he would just heat up as the game wore on and made it really difficult. And when Giannis was playing, obviously he was really good too. But the biggest takeaway for me from this was just seeing those, the co-stars in Middleton and Drew Holiday. Middleton, I, think, I feel like star. it's expected for Middleton to make that step. I, I didn't expect it as much. I, think, I thought defense would key in on him more. So he was better than I thought he'd be. He was. I feel like it should be expected of him to step up that way. Not not that it was expected, but I feel like yeah. it's something that should be as highly regarded as he is to some people. Because some people put him – some people have him right outside the top 15. Yeah, a lot of people love, love his game. He's definitely a um, top 25 player off the top of my head. Middleton is that – Middleton has the ability to step up and be that guy. And I think it's, it's a similar to when Giannis isn't on the floor. And I think that it provides wonders to his game um, really opens the door for some things that he doesn't really get a chance to do when Giannis is on the floor. Um, and I think it was, I think it's awesome to see him do that. Um, Drew holidays is, is a nightmare defensively for a yeah, lot of tough. teams. And for a lot of players, and having him next to to when Giannis is healthy, him next to Giannis, and then PJ Tucker as well. Yeah, Brooke Lopez too, the rim protector. The more I think about it, the sk- the scarier it is. Yeah, when when Brooke Lopez is on the floor, because sometimes they may run Bobby Portis at the four instead. It's dependent upon what Budenholzer wants or what Giannis wants mm-hmm. on the floor. 
Portis was really good for them. I was really impressed with Bobby. You're talking about a guy who, with the Bulls, put up big numbers as a young guy. Everyone's like, oh, what could he be? So then New York pays him a ton of money to give him an opportunity, a chance to show out. And he d- he scores a lot of points, but that team doesn't win. They're not very good. So they move off with him. Takes the really cheap deal to come off the bench for this Bucks, And even after registering DMPs versus the Nets, he's come in, started, and gave them some huge minutes. Averaged 12 points per game in the series, too. He was he was phenomenal for them as well. I even love – well, last guy I'm going to mention on the Bucks, Jeff Teague against his former Hawks team drilled three threes in the closeout game. So just amazing to watch this Bucks team set up. Credit to Budenholzer and his staff as well. Their jobs were definitely in danger if they would have lost to that Hawks team. And they, I think they'll be back next season pretty much no matter what now, unless they get swept and like Giannis is Part back of me 100%. Feel- Part of me, part of me wants to believe that uh, that Budenholzer's job is still on the line if they don't win the finals. I don't but think it's entirely dependent upon them winning the finals, but if they don't win the finals, I think his job is still – it's cooled off. It's, I wouldn't call it a hot seat. It's, a, it's not a – Yeah, I get what you're saying. If like he, I think that's what makes it really interesting is to see. I think if Rick Carlisle was wasn't had oh, if Rick Carlisle, if Rick Carlisle was available, I think that and and the and the Bucks were at home. I think Rick Carlisle is easily the next head coach of the Bucks. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. But I think now I think there's I don't know what's better because I do still like Budenholzer and thought he did a admirable job in. We'll touch on the Bucks a little bit more when it's time for the, the finals preview, but I, I want to talk about the Hawks. Man, I was so impressed with this team postseason. Coming, coming into the season, I thought they had the best rebuild going on currently, and they totally accelerated the timeline of that rebuild with the conference finals appearance. Just a few, I believe it was 2015 was when they last made the conference finals, and there was not a single player from that team on this roster. So to be able to rebuild so quickly, especially because after they made it in 2015, they still tried to run it back for two, three years. Then they blew it up and they hit on almost every draft pick. I mean, even Torian Prince was, was he's on another team now, but he was like the first draft pick they hit on. Then they hit on Collins, Herder, Trey Young, Hunter, Reddish, Okongu's giving them good minutes. This is, I mean, this is what teams dream of every year. You want to get a first round pick and have them be good. And that's what the Hawks have done. They haven't drafted any busts and, yeah, the veterans they acquired as well. Clint Capella was really underrated. I think people gave James Harden a little too much credit for his success. Now, granted, Trey Young is a phenomenal passer and maximizes his skills as well, but there's a reason this guy led the NBA in regular season rebounding. He's tough. He's good at putbacks as well, and he is an anchor on the defensive end too. So I was really impressed with this Hawks team. What did you think about them watching them, Gavin? For someone who's undersized at the center position, I think Clint Capella deserves a little bit more credit for being as high up on on the leaderboard for rebounds as he is, because he's only, I think, 6'10 at the center position, which for the NBA is, I would consider undersized for the center yeah, spot. Is 6'10. If, You're right. He is correct 6'10. me if I'm wrong. Gosh, um, he plays way bigger than that. So that's a good eye by you. I thought he was seven feet. He plays massive. I think it's his, uh, I think it's his wingspan. I think it's his wingspan. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a Bismack Biombo kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Biombo was what, 6'8, I think. And his wingspan was like 7'7, just literally had terror. Redactyl wings for arms. Um, claim nickname out of anybody ever uh, with red velvet. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think that he might be one of my favorite players just because he calls himself red velvet. 
I know he's like my favorite um, player who's ever nicknamed himself. Totally with you there. Like that's that's genius. That's that's like fantastic marketing. If he doesn't have like a cupcake deal by the end of the the end of the <laughs> offseason, I'll be thoroughly disappointed. He should. Um, shout out to Lou Williams, by the way. Lou was nice for stepping in, stepping up in Trey Young's absence and playing out of game that they didn't think they were going to win, pushing it to to six games. Mm-hmm. And I think I think he wants to come back for this next season. I, I'm not entirely sure. The early reports that I'm seeing or have seen uh, say that he does, which is good for him. And I hope he does because it's good for that locker room and it's good for. I think he's a good, as good a mentor as anybody can be for uh, a young Trey Young. Yep. So I think that fits perfectly. I think Cam Reddish is only going to get better. I think he's, as far as everybody else that you listed, I think he's a little bit further behind than everybody else. But I think he's going to take another step next year to where he's even better. I think, like, he's not, like, by no means is he he a bust and has he been awful. But I think that he's still going to take that next step because he's still a step behind the others, which doesn't mean, which doesn't mean he's bad. It just means that the others have taken bigger steps than he has. He's taking baby steps. They're taking regular steps. So it'll just take a few more steps before he gets there. But I think he's going to be a very good piece, if not a starter for them in the near future, if not next year. I think he's the most underrated player in terms of people like guys we're not thinking about being an all-star right now. I think he's going to be an all-star very soon. The level of shot making he showed in those limited glimpses was phenomenal. That ability to score off the dribble, attack the basket. I really like Cam Reddish's game, and I think he's going to be really good. Another guy, too, is DeAndre Hunter, who didn't even play for this team. And Trey Young was just phenomenal. And I'm a guy who I think Trey Young can win MVPs in this league. I think he could win two MVPs, honestly. And he looked every bit that guy these playoffs. Like I said, dropping the 48 points. One of the best – he's got one of the best floaters in the game. Great lob passer, limitless range, and deadly, deadly off the dribble, too. He's not a great defender, but he also competes hard on that end, too, which I respect. So I'm a huge Trey Young fan. If not MVPs, then he will have at least, at least, I think, um, don't quote me on this, but I think at least four scoring titles. Yeah, I can see that. He's going to be a first team at NBA lot. Him Unless they get somebody else. The Luka versus him rivalry yeah, that, that is going to be fun. I think right now I hate the I hate the fact that that rivalry is as heated as it is. Obviously, both both fan bases have. Yeah, and it's and it's good to see that it's not like a I hate you kind of deal for them as well. But I think both 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 teams have fans who appreciate both of them and understand where both of them sit when compared to each other. Because I think as big as people think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think the next thing um, comes from getting those fans who are bitter and want to find every little thing to hate on um, because there's a lot of Hawks fans being, I guess, toxic towards not only Mavs fans, but Luka Doncic. Which is always going to happen. Because fans Luka got bounced in the first round, um, which isn't his fault because – which. 
isn't his fault because the Mavericks didn't do as good of a job building around him as they did for no. as the Atlanta Hawks did for Trey Young. So once Luca has a team around him, I think that the league should be very afraid. Um, but at the same time, that's going to be a fun rivalry to watch uh, for years to come. And hopefully, would, we get a chance to see a a Mavericks Hawks final. That would be at some a, point a lot of fun for sure. Just ignite that rivalry a little bit more. All right, Gavin, I thought about this question a little bit earlier. This is one you're not going to agree with, but it's something I thought about. I think that. Yes. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So you started before I did. If every NBA roster locked, there's no trades, no free agents. Sure. You can still use draft picks and stuff like that going for If every NBA roster locked for the next 10 years, I would take the Hawks over any team right now in the NBA. That's how confident I feel in the development and growth of what this team is going to be. You're giving me Trey Young, John Collins, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Herter, and I don't even care. I don't care. Oh, Kong Wu. I don't care about the veterans as much in this team. I think that core group of guys right there is going to be phenomenal. And I would take that core group plus, like I just said, if every NBA roster locked for the next 10 years and I could just build around a core like that, I would take them. Obviously, if I could start my franchise with any player, I'm not taking Trey Young, but I am taking the collection of talent the Hawks have assembled over any collection. I think you're going to disagree with that, and I want to hear why. Well, obviously, I'm going to disagree with that because I think the Suns have the best the best core group um, campaign, and you substitute Jay Crowder with Cam Johnson. And that starting lineup of campaign, Devin Booker, Mike Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton is filthy, and you can't tell me otherwise. Well, it's not because Cam Johnson starts. Cam Johnson starts on any other team and averages probably close to twenty points a game. If he okay. gets his, if he gets the shots, if he gets the shots that he needs, if he gets the shots that he needs, yes. It, I don't think he's averaging twenty a game. If he gets the shots, you can't look at his per thirty sixes. Look at his. Look I don't his, love. Look at his per, per thirty sixes. I, like I those numbers. If he so gets the shot, have you and seen they run Bobon's, sets for Have you seen Boban's per thirty sixes? It's specific. It's specific. <laughs> well, yeah, because Boban's per thirty sixes are skyrocketed because he plays five minutes a game, and when he's in, he scores ten points. Like Cam's really nice, but all he has to do is touch the ball into the net. Like, I feel like if defense is keyed in on him, and he didn't have the other guys to set. Exactly. Up, really different game. Well, obviously, if you put him on somebody like the Pistons, where he's the number one option, Jeremy Grant is a better. Player but if you put him right now on a lot of teams. I think he starts for that Hawks team. I don't think he's bet. I would, I like the, look, I'm, I've always liked DeAndre Hunter. So I'm really high on DeAndre Hunter, just like you're biased to Camp Johnson. I think DeAndre Hunter and John Collins would both start over him because I think those, DeAndre Hunter is better. Well, the four or five, right but I, would you think he not plays the three? I think it, oh, the three right now, I still think they'd roll with a combination of the, honestly, the three, I think they'd play, they would play Hunter because it would be Trey Young, Bogdanovich, um, what's DeAndre Hunter? And at the four, you go Collins. Five is Quinn Capella. I think that's the rule right now. I do. I like Cam Johnson, but I mean, also, how old is Cam Johnson at this point? Is he? Because also, I looked I'm, up. Well, no, we, were, we were talking Cam future. Hayes. We're talking future right now. You know, but you threw it. Okay, he's twenty-five. So I just I don't know how much better he's going to get. You seem to think he's going to get a lot better. I don't think he's ever going to average over twenty points. I think he's going to get a little better. I'm not saying he's going to turn into. I'm not saying he's no, going to turn into CP3 by any means. I know. I think he's going to improve a little bit because he yeah. works so hard on his game. I mean, my guy works he so does. hard to be where he he's at now. He works very hard on his game. I just, he's not going to get much. He's not going to get more athletic. I just, I'm interested to see. He's how playing he... in China two years ago. 
Yeah, Payne, I just, yeah. And he's, but he's, Payne is already up there in age a little bit. I just don't know how much better he's going to get. Look, obviously the Suns are the other team I definitely thought about. For me though, I just, and I love Mikel Bridges. I don't think his ceiling offensively is as high as what I've seen out of Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. That's why I'm banking on them. And I'm a huge Bridges fan. So that does hurt me to say. And honestly, Gavin, I think if you guys pick Tyrese Halliburton in the draft, I'd probably take you guys. <laughs> That's the only thing holding you back from being my choice is for sure loving the point guard situation. Cause obviously I love Booker and eight. I still really like Bridges. I just think the Hawks have a cool group of guys right there. That could be really special, but. And then you get, I mean, two. I think if we addressed Halliburton, I think if we had drafted Halliburton, I don't think Halliburton plays as much as he did with the with the Kings, given our rotation right now. So it would have been very interesting to see. I think once we lose Chris Paul, that's where we see the 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 Halliburton impact. I think that Monty would probably leave would have Halliburton starting when CP3 leaves until he's comfortable with Halliburton in that role. Do you want campaign to get a shot at your starting point guard position in like two years? I think he did. I think he deserves it. I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. I always have trouble betting on guys after good playoff runs like that. When it's in, when it's inconsistent from what they've done for the rest of their career, it always makes me a little nervous. The same with the Tim Hardaway that's kind stuff. Of, that's kind of tough, though. But if it's only you could have that, easily said the same thing after the bubble. Yes, for him, and he's and he's proved me wrong and been better than that. But the Tim Hardaway guys are the exact reason I get weary of this kind of things. They ball out in these contract years like that. Yes, it can be in the playoffs like that, and then you pay them, and it gets a little dicey after that. Now, obviously. Payne did it in the conference finals and he has bounced around for a few teams. So maybe he does deserve it. He's just so inconsistent. That's what concerns me. I think he deserves it. And I think he's going to prove to be a little bit more consistent than you think. He's already, I mean, he's already proved me wrong. I didn't think he'd ever play in the league. So whatever he does. Because I think, I think he improves a little bit between now and then. And I think he gets to hold down the starting hard enough to be where he's at now that once he gets the money, he will pay back the people that believed in him to put him in this spot. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, the situation is a little different. You know, Hardaway was drafted as not necessarily a high profile guy, but was drafted to be one of the best guys for that Knicks team. He was I on mean, the after first. I think, I think everybody, first. I think you and I were, uh, I don't know, really? I remember him being on the, the Knicks. Or you know what? You're right. I always forget that. He was on the Knicks. The Knicks either cut him or traded him. Primarily. Then he went with the Hawks, recouped his value, and then the Knicks signed him again for more money. And sometimes I just forget how incompetent the Knicks are or were because now they're good. Because it's true. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember I, I think you and I are in that that age group, and I think anybody else that, that listens that's in this, this age group can attest to the – how good we thought Dion Waiters and Tim Hardaway Jr. were going to be based on that Rising Stars game when it was Chuck and Shaq who drafted the teams. Mm-hmm. I was never a huge Dion. Where they had that, but I did really. I like, want to I say really twenty like to twenty-five possession. It feels. Yeah. Well, if you go back and uh, there was a high, like you can go back and watch any highlight tape from that, that game. I'm just saying. I never high, loved Hardaway. I never versus loved Waiters and like, I loved. I did like Hardaway. I'll be straight up honest. I thought Hardaway was going to be really good in New York. That's why also I'm salty about paying him. I didn't again. know either. I didn't know who either of them were up until that point. Yeah, <laughs> I'd heard a few Dion Waiters stories before then. He's that's a Dion Waiters. Is, we this is the first NBA season we have with no Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith. That's kind of sad. Those, I'm sure Waiters is probably over in China just lighting it up. 
What campaigns like, doing uh, right now is what waiters. I feel like the uh, the emperor in in what was it episode two? Was it the emperor in episode two where he's like, "We will, I will follow your career with great interest." Yes. Or am yes. I thinking of somebody else yes. who said that? No, you're right. That's it. Yeah, that was it for sure. That's what it felt like after that game was watching yeah. that, watching those highlights and watching those two go at it. Yeah, and neither one of them ended up being anything like Darth Vader after that. <laughs> But as much as I love talking Star Wars, we'll bring it back and we'll yeah, look no, forward. No kidding. Yeah, we'll look we'll look forward to the NBA Finals now. Gavin, what are some of the biggest keys or things you're looking for in this matchup between the Suns and the Bucks? Two franchises that are both starving for an NBA championship. Um, protecting the paint, obviously, because the Bucks' favorite thing to do is to pound the paint. Um, and I think the Bucks are gonna. I think for their game plan, it's gonna be the same thing. I think it's protecting the paint. Um, because just how good DeAndre Ayton's been. Ayton's been really good defensive. Top NBA centers. Uh, and I think Giannis provides a new um, He's a new challenge, work. not one that he hasn't faced before. Mm-hmm. However, um, I do want to point this out. So since the Suns have drafted DeAndre Ayton, they're 5-1 and one against the Bucks. Nice. And I think it was – Two years ago, two years ago, when we were we had 19 wins, I think. Yeah. Was it two or three years ago? I can't remember because we've been bad. I don't forever. remember how bad your sons were. They've been bad for so long. The only year, because the Bucks had the best the best record in the league that year, were the 19 win sons. Hmm. I just want to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> so I think. DeAndre Ayton is going to be the key to us winning uh, how good he is defensively because I think he'll be matched up on Giannis more than people realize because we can live and die by the Giannis three, I think. For sure. I think that's still a thing. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what we do to work around uh, Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker because I think with, Drew Holiday you can live pro- with PJ Tucker corner threes. As much as I love PJ Tucker, I think he's not not he's not defensively, but how we can live around, how we can work around them on the offensive end. Yes, that's um, what I'm talking about. Just, how, just how difficult it is. Yeah. Tucker offensively, I love his corner three point shooting, but honestly, he leads the league in corner threes because he just takes so many of them. He's not a knockdown shooter, and a lot of possessions, I think you can chalk him up as wins. There are going to be the game or two where he does get hot from there and he makes some makes it pay. But a lot of times too, if he's cold. You can, you're comfortable just running a guy at him with a hand up and you live with the result there. Nothing I just want to throw in before okay. I let you finish your takeaways is I just I don't think Giannis is going to be over 70% healthy if he plays in this series. I think it's just another case of a guy rushing back from injury trying to help his team win the finals, which I love about Giannis, but I don't I'm not going to hold this against him if he plays perform play plays poorly because I don't think he's healthy. I think that we also need to stop or this isn't the reason we lose a game. Say that one more time. If we lose a game, I'd rather. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want Brooke Lopez to be the reason we lose a game. I think if we lose a game, I'd rather. I'd rather it be because Giannis goes off for forty, or Chris Middleton gets hot. Because those yeah, are the two guys. Got or 40 even Drew his, Holiday, for that matter. Bum knee. That would be incredible. But I, I do. I get what you're saying. Well, obviously, that wouldn't be in the first couple games. It'd be once yeah. he gets his knee back under him. You know. Yeah. Because I don't think he's going to go for 40 if he – even if he is healthy, mm-hmm. but, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's a fair point. 
that's that's about that's about it really. I mean, the takeaways are, are pretty pretty simple: limit the turnovers, limit your mistakes, and then don't let guys who aren't the stars beat you. Yeah. I think, yeah, so I, granted, kinda, I think I said the same thing for every round, but yeah. Not surprised you listed the Suns' reasons, so I will take I'll take the Bucks' keys and takeaways there. I will throw in one wrinkle for the Suns just because it's so interesting to me. I double checked this multiple times because I'm so serious. Brooke Lopez did not register an assist against the Hawks. Now I don't think Lopez is necessarily a poor passer, but obviously he's not an amazing passer if you don't get one assist in a six game series. So I think that is something you guys can exploit. If he was to get hot, if you double him, I think he could turn it over rather than finding the open guy. Because like I said, the zero assist thing is very surprising to me, but yes, I think for the bucks, I think it's drew holiday on Devin Booker. And I think he, he, it's possible to make force Booker in the tough nights, as you talked about, he's a guy, the guy too. He's not a hundred percent. I think he's more closer to 90 to me. You can tell me if I'm far off on that. You think he's less than that. But, I mean, we're still talking about a guy who's played really well, still had some nice games in that series, the 40-point game in game one being the key one. I think you can caress him, force him into t- tough shots, have some tough nights. I think that'll be big as well. I think you have to get Chris Middleton going. I think that would be key. Drew, Drew getting off to a hot start, they win a lot of the games when Drew starts out good. So I think if Drew can hold Booker in check, get off to a hot start, I think that would be key. I also think it would be great if the Suns, like we talked about, they have some players they bring off the bench, campaign, Cam Johnson, Dario Saric, even at times, like these are guys who can be effective off the bench. I think if there's nights where Bobby Portis and Bryn Forbes can help and Pat Connington can win the bench battle. I think that would be huge. Second chance points are going to be a big, this Bucks team between Lopez Portis, PJ Tucker, and surprisingly Pat Connington and Giannis, whenever he's healthy, they fight for offensive rebounds. That's something your sons are going to have to be ready for. Even a Drew Holiday will mix it up sometimes. So if Chris Paul or whoever's guarding him on the other end will have to be ready to box out. So I just think that'll be interesting. And I do think that, yeah, just Giannis, if Giannis is able to tough and power through this injury he has, if he's able to get to 20 points a game somehow, I think that would be huge. Even if it's in, as long as he can do it somewhat efficiently, hopefully he doesn't settle for too many jumpers either. I hope if he's out there, he's more willing to post up like that. Even, even if Aiton is on it, because Giannis is a strong guy. He can still get some shots off down low against Aiton, as good as a post defender Aiton is. So it's going to be a fun series and I'm interested to see how it does pan and play out. So it's prediction time, Gavin. What's your prediction? And finals MVP. Finals MVP. I think it's going to be Chris Paul and not Devin Booker. As much as I'd love for it to be Devin Booker, I think it's, it's going to be, be Chris hard. Paul. It's going to be hard for Booker to win it. Booker's going to have to be um, really good. And with the way Chris Paul closes the it's game, it, too, it, you it's know, tough. it's interesting that you said uh, Drew Holiday on Devin Booker. I think Drew Holiday has been the primary defender on Chris Paul during the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see if they switch that up. I would just because of Booker's scoring ability, I'd rather have Holiday on him. But you're right; it will be interesting to see how they handle it. Look, man, maybe they think you can correct like, me if hey, I'm Drew, wrong, but I think it. They could have PJ on Devin. That's a tough match. I think that's what the, I think that's what they did. Okay, you would have watched. You probably watched that game closer than I did. Because I did obviously at the time I was not thinking this would be a finals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, according to, I think his name was Peter. That one Twitter account that tweeted out in 2016. Mm-hmm. He said Bucks over Suns 121 to like 117 in game seven. In 2021. Wow. I did not see that. That's Let's insane. hope that he's wrong about the game yeah. and the score. 
Mm-hmm. Let's hope that he's wrong about the game and the score, but props to him for getting that finals prediction correct. For sure. That is crazy. And I hope mine's correct as well. Yeah, I was originally kind of leaning towards toward your sons in six. If if Giannis was completely healthy, I'd probably lean to the Bucks to be honest. But because he's not, I, I do like your sons. I'll go if sons he was healthy, five. I'd say sons in seven. I'm going sons in five. I think that Giannis is not going to be. If he right was healthy. I'd say something seven. I think Giannis is going to miss the first two games, and the two he comes back for, he's just not going to look right. I think Holiday, Holiday, and Middleton are fine, but I think the backcourt of Devin Booker and CP3 cements themselves as one of the best backcourts ever to win a championship. I have, don't have the list in front of me. They've got to be at least in the top ten. They might have a chance at the top five, like we said. Just haven't gone in depth on that to see the backcourts overall. Uh, I like Chris. I like Devin Booker for Finals MVP. I think he has a special performance. So Suns and four guy or the Bucks and six guy. I, I went in between because I said I said in five. But if I had to that's, ride with that's been, uh, the Suns and four funny. guys, obviously kind of a legend. <laughs> the Bucks and six guy just tore his shirt off. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have the story that the Suns and Four guys exactly. Had. They only made it a thing to like try to build him up. Like, oh, they got this fan who's fun like that. That's all they're trying to do. So, either way, yeah, it's going to be a really fun finals, and I'm excited to watch it. We're, I'm we'll looking forward be, to it. We'll actually be able to watch looking, a game together, Gavin, which will be a lot of fun. Looking forward to the feeling that it's going to bring, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yes, it will be a lot of fun. That we will. Before we, we go, will. yeah, we, we will get a chance to watch. I think only. I think only one game, right? One game. Because yeah. they have extra travel days and all that mess. Yep. Yeah, travel gets eight and stuff. You're see what a nervous wreck I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've all been there before. It's fancy. It'll be fun. But before we get out of here, last topic we're going to tackle today. Jason Kidd officially hired as the Mavericks head coach. I know it's kind of your second team. Your thoughts on the hiring? I don't – so I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm a Mavericks fan, but I live I live an hour outside of Dallas, so I'm going to support the Mavs and everything. The if Mavs the Suns, and everything if the that Suns they do. Can't you know, win obviously, it, I'm going to pick the Suns if they play the Suns. Yeah, if the Suns can't win it, then obviously I hope the Mavs do. But yeah, um, I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been a doo-doo head coach, to put it nicely. So it's interesting to see that they went with. Jason Kidd. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he's the kind of guy to sit back and let Luca be Luca in a way that that Carlisle wouldn't. I don't know if Jason Kidd's got the coaching ability to create those inbounds plays because uh, we've all seen what he's had to do when he doesn't come up with something in time, spilling water uh, on the court. Yeah, <laughs> he's crap. So I mean, I don't, I don't know if I like, I don't know if I like the hire entirely i mean i'm not against it yeah. i know that there's so there's a uh, poor history with with jason kidd as a human being yeah uh, so that's kind of tough but looking at it from a professional standpoint only and like what he brings as a head coach i don't know if i like it mm-hmm. if yeah, he fits all- the kind of mm-hmm. if he fits the the backseat coaching role then sure but yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about the legal situations to comment on that. I don't think neither of us do. So we'll just talk about the idea. I have yeah. no idea. Very, the Brooklyn tenure was rough for everyone involved, not just him. The Bucks, they gave him all the chances in the world to make it work. Giannis wasn't quite the player he was. 
I do think he deserves some credit for Giannis's development. He also got some of the he also got the best version of Jabari Parker we ever saw. So I will give him some credit there as well. Yes. Help Milton develop too. So I do think he's done a decent job developing some players. I think the Lakers tenure was huge for him. I think two years under uh, learning how LeBron operates as a ball dominant player, being with a championship team. Also seeing a dominant big man like Anthony Davis, who I do think they're going to have to try to find Luca, his dominant big man, because I don't, as we talked about, that's not Chris Stapps. I think he needs to be off this team because of the tension that's there. I think the fact that Dirk is more involved in the front office, JJ Barrera is supposed to be there as well as huge to kind of be the moderator for this relationship as well. I think Jason Kidd having played the position with the best point guard he's ever coached in the form of Luca, watching how LeBron operated it. I think that is going to be huge as well. I do like the hire. And I told, I, I said this earlier. I think Jason Terry's in that. I think Jason Terry's in that front office as well. Sorry I thought Jason interrupt. Terry was with Arizona. As a I think, coach. I think Jason Terry is on in the, in the franchise one way or another. Now, from what I saw, I don't know how to correct that. Let me look here. It's kind of hard to be involved when you're, he is, is currently an assistant coach at Arizona. So that's where I just, I don't know okay. because if you're involved, so have the Arizona look, I'm sure Dirk, if there's a player or something like that, right, no Dirk would Dirk or JJ would give him a call, but yeah, just another guy to help the relationship out. And I, I like, I, I feel like it's going to work. It's just a gut feeling. I, I like Jason Kidd. I think a lot of people want him to work as a head coach, which is why he keeps getting these opportunities and, I think the Lakers tenure, he, he lost his job. He had to sit back. He had to learn. I think that's going to do some good things for him. And if you, ha- if I have to answer yes or no, for will Jason Kidd win a world championship or an NBA championship as an Mavericks head coach, I will say yes, just because of the respect I have for Luca. And I think these two want to make it work and they will work together. And I, I just, I don't see a world where Luca doesn't be an NBA champion. And I think him and kid get it done together sometime in the next eight years. I don't think Kid's going to be the one that leads him to the promised land, but I think Luca does win a championship. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I think I don't know who it's going to wind up being. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a former player that's not Jason Kidd, one of the more recent former players. Like who? What are you thinking? You got to be thinking someone when you say something like that. I think Chris Paul very could very well become a head coach. Wow. At some point, I'm not saying that he's going to be the Mavericks head coach, but I think that. Coaching is in Chris Paul's future because I think he stays away from the game for maybe a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then he gets that itch, that, that competitive itch again, maybe to not play, but to at least be a part of something. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's a real possibility. I think Chris Paul would be a good coach. I'm excited to see what some of these players who are playing right now in like 15 years when they're all retired. I'm interested to see if – which ones are and aren't broadcasting, obviously, and or who's coaching or not. I think LeBron's going to own a team. Dwayne Wade's already owning a team. Draymond's going to be on inside the NBA in some form. It's going to be interesting. I hope so. That'd be funny. I'm like, I'd be stunned if Draymond's not. He's really good on TV. That's going to be interesting to watch. And it's going to be interesting to see how the NBA finals play out. It's a great he was, he was compared to, to Chuck quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> they do have some He's always been compared sure. to Chuck one way or another in his, mm-hmm. in, his, in his playing days. So it'd be yeah, no, it'd be rather interesting to see what, how that dynamic works out when, uh, yeah, when they're both on on TV together. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, it will be very interesting, and hopefully, we get to see it happen very soon. I'm always bummed out because inside the NBA, will not they don't get the finals, so they're off the air now. It's one of my favorite shows to watch. So, 
we will be without inside the NBA, but at least for another another few weeks, hopefully we have. Some they should get the finals. That's that's too much. Should. It's just ESPN money, and ESPN's got some other that's issues true. right now, but they got the money, so that's what works out for them. But we are looking forward to the finals, and we thank everyone for joining us as always. For Gavin Dawson, I'm JT Wistersell, and we will see you guys next time on the Dawson and Wistie podcast. Of course.